Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Top Podcast. I'm your host, Rob, and joining with me are my two friends, Lou and Mike. Hey, Mike. And each week we like to start off with an icebreaker. Feel free to ask us any questions you have that you want to know on our socials or on the YouTube page. This week's question is, did you guys watch Saturday morning cartoons or did you do something similar to that? Oh, good question. For me, uh, my TV was in a basement and we didn't have a cable box. And so in the basement, in a cement basement, doesn't really get any reception. So every weekend we would go to Family Video, which is like a mile down the street from where I lived. And I'd always get, you know, the three kids, like cause they were VHSs at the time. And then I would go and watch those on the weekend. That was my version of Saturday morning cartoons. Nice. We had, uh, we didn't have cable growing up either, but I remember Channel 7 on the antenna played a bunch of older Disney Channel shows. They might have been modern at the time, I don't know. But we'd get some Kim Possible, some American Dragon Jake Long. Shout out to the the Greensboro DNR guys. You know, so that kind of that kind of era of Disney Channel, we'd get that in the moorings. And so we'd watch that on the bunny ears. Uh, for me, I was actually work, looking this up right now. My favorite one that I've ever done was called the ever watched was the Looney Tune Addicts Unleashed. I don't know. It's it was like made in 2005. The Bugs Bunny had superpowers. Hmm, I've not heard of and it. And it it just hit. Boy, I just thought it was like one of the coolest things. And then like Static Shock was always a good one. But yeah, those two I remember vividly. I remember nuking two Hot Pockets, which is like a, a beautiful breakfast meal at the time. <laughs> and uh, just watching these shows. And then I do have one more question that I just... It's come to my mind a couple times this past week. When are you too old to keep up with the lingo of the of the youths nowadays? Is it is it thirty? Is oh, it geez. earlier than that? Is it different for everybody? What's what's your guys' opinion on that? I realized I was falling behind my freshman year of college, and I never looked. Oh back. dang! Wow. <laughs> like uh, I walked in, and everyone was talking about trolling, and I was like, "That one's new for me." Well, you didn't know about trolling? That was big in like care. high school. So it, they were using it differently. I don't know. They might have just been the weird bubble that was Spring Arbor, you know, or it might have just been like everybody in different areas had slightly different lingo. And so when all the freshmen me- mixed, it all got thrown into the pot. But I remember, yeah, I remember hearing some words and being like, that's not right. I don't care. <laughs> and from that point on, I just steadily fell more and more behind. But I'm also 65, so yeah, I'm, and I'm- probably not the, the norm. And I'm assuming that there wasn't a lot of cultural push when it came to the college that you went to. I've driven around that place and it doesn't seem like a hot pot of uh, cultures. I feel surrounded by all these white people. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty uh, yeah, that was about the shape of it. I think there were, let's see, there was Julian, my roommate. I was a very outgoing and culturally diverse individual. And then there was... Jean, and then there was, oh, what was her name? Kayla, that was her name. There might have been one or two other black freshmen, but that was like it. It was a very small group of people. It was a very, very pale place to be. I I, I was just out there as I could be. I think for me, it was my senior year of college, which is later than most people's senior year of college because I basically had a hard reset when my actual senior year of college would have started. And it was like when the high key, low key was starting to get into the the phrases and the, the term no cap was was getting big. 
And no. for, cap. for the longest oh. time, I could not remember what cap was. I'm like, no slap. And I'm just like, oh, and everyone just gave me the look like I was too old. I'm like, oh, I've hit it. So, I mean, Rough. I was like 26 at that point. Yeah, I, I, now I, I've given up on trying to, to keep up with the lingo. But Lou, I know you've worked with kids. Did you try to keep up with it or are you just like, they're going to give me weird looks if I try to use their their phrases? So I've I've done two sides. I've been two sides of this. I've done two sides of this. I've been coming up with some weird saying. I do the, I'm obviously too old to say this thing, but I'm going to say it anyways. And in, in, like in the most like aggressive way, just to get as big as applause as later, as, as, as often as I can. And then I'll try to, you know, I'll just like sneak a little thing here. It's like when you're learning Spanish for the first time and you want everybody to know that you're learning Spanish. So instead of pants, you'll say, yeah, I went to the pantalone store, you know, just <laughs> real chill about it. And it usually doesn't go that way. But sometimes, you know, I get a head nod. I get like approval of a child. And, and I appreciate that. So we're Got getting a little riz. Huh? I don't know. I don't think he's rizzed up. Oh, no. Christian got called a Riz Lord. I think like Riz Lord. Christian's got the sauce. So we're we're getting Mike's bringing down the average, but we'll say like 25 ish is when you you, you're locked into your lingo. Yeah, it's also like makes sense. Yeah, it's also cool to like bring your own lingo in there. Stuff that like uh, off top was big back in the day because the kids think you're cool. They're just going to repeat anything that you say. They're just like sponges, right? Mm -hmm. They're just really learning kids are just learning how to talk if you really think about it they've only been talking for a couple of years so if you say one thing over and over again you could just manipulate them into thinking that you're cool yeah. i've been getting into using like the occasional gangster slang uh moxie oh that kind of gangster okay. yeah like the 1920s <laughs> old term gangster different i was like we might have to cut this <laughs> he went to spring no. arbor he, we went through this already <laughs> yeah no moxie and uh there's, there's some good 70s one you start calling women toots um, and everything toots okay toots. Uh, that's gonna sweet hot with the accent too yeah, the though boss, are you keeping the accent hey sweet well, hot you, go you, you seem like yes it seems intentional and like it's a joke if you say sweetheart. You just seem like a douche if you call somebody sweetheart. It's it's a subtle. It's like Chinese, like the uh, or what? Mandarin. Like the, it, it can. There's like different different words mean different things based on your inflection in Mandarin. Mm. That's the same. It's the same thing. Sweetheart is clearly ironic. Sweetheart, you're gonna talk to HR later. That's good to know. I'm gonna take any of this as, as solid advice. No, this is, if you're a young talking out of my ass right now. If you're a young lad out on the the streets, this is you tuned into the right place for sure. I saw this lady on TikTok who's been using uh, slang, and but so she's been doing edging. You guys know what edging is? <laughs> like in the yeah, like your your lawn where you you trim yeah. so that it's not coming over the sidewalk. That's exactly. hedging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. Hedging it's, is with your your bushes. With your oh, I, I thought they had to do with like monies. Like I mean, Walsh. both. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's been saying edulator, and oh, all the. <laughs> just like parents didn't know what it was so they were telling their kids edgy later oh gosh and uh <laughs> she had to make a second tiktok explaining what edging was and how you shouldn't tell your kids edgy later you gotta you gotta do the research if you want to keep keep up with the kids slang. well we'll close yeah. with edgy later yeah <laughs> hey there toppers mike here this episode is brought to you by my new short story collection, A Prelude to the Forest, available on Amazon now. If you are listening to this podcast day of release, Monday, then it is free for the Kindle version. You can go grab it at zero cost to yourself. 
And if you're listening anytime after, it's only $2.99 for the Kindle version, of which I see about $2. So if you're into short horror, thriller, suspense kind of stuff, pick it up and support me, which would be much appreciated because Rob is charging an insane amount of money considering how many people are going to hear this ad. Now back to the show. So this week we're talking about the top five animated movies of all time on our list. And I'll start us off mine. I don't know if it holds up nowadays, but in my head it was it was the biz, it was the business. Like if you watched it, you had Riz, as the kids would say. And that was Pokemon, the first movie, also known as Mewtwo Strikes Back. Classic. Classic. And think about Pokemon movies. Yeah. I've only seen probably three or four of them. But the first one just sticks with me. I remember back in the day is when Pokemania, well, you know, was the craze of everything. And I, I felt like I was on the outside because I wasn't allowed to watch Pokemon at first when it was coming out because, you know, it had the, the E word in it. And obviously that's just not allowed. But What's the E word? E- evolution. Evolution. I'm gonna to, oh, sorry. going to have to bleep that I'm out. A, I'm, a baby. Newer, I'm a newer Christian, so I, mean, <laughs> I, I didn't know that. Yeah. All right, continue. But once I, once I finally saw it as a kid, I just... It, it rocked my world that there could be, I think it's only like an hour, hour and a half long movie, but I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And, and just like the, who didn't love Mewtwo? He was a manipulated a-hole, but he was cool as all get out. And Mew's just a cat who likes to have fun. And then also, if you're an American audience or watch the English dubbed, there's a Minnesota Viking reference. I didn't know Vikings still existed. They mostly live in Minnesota. Which I just tickled tickled my little my little brain as a kid. Cat, that's another one of those fun old timey slains I've been busting out every now and then. <laughs> so yeah, that's okay. just gonna be a through line for the whole episode. Oh, it's okay. Think of one. I'm just gonna bust it out no matter how inappropriate it may be, Tommy. It was Pokemon 2000, the one with Lugia. Yeah, that was yes, the second. Yes, I'm one. actually looking at them right there. The okay. second one yeah. was my thing as well. I I I saw that I saw the first one in the theaters. Then it was it was a wild experience because I also wasn't really allowed to watch Pokemon, but my I went with my buddy and it was, I had no idea what was going on. Mm. Yeah. And back in the day, it was wild because like not just Pokemon, but I know Yu-Gi-Oh! The movies, they would give out cards to the kid. And now those are mm-hmm. worth like some good money if you have a mint condition. Man, I was. Are they really? Yeah. That the ancient Mew card uh-huh. is worth some 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 good money. Dang. So I was mad as a kid because I didn't get to see it in theaters. So I didn't have the ancient Mew card. And I don't know if I'm going to do this to every movie, but my favorite scene it's it's so dumb and it shouldn't make me laugh but it's when the fake pikachu is just slapping like backhanding the the real pikachu <laughs> and he's just like refusing to fight i'm like yeah take that push over and i don't know why but i'm just like yeah assert your dominance stand over him taunt teabag him that type of thing. whoa okay <laughs> and that's when, imagine I, that, that's when i learned i was gonna be a gamer genitals? oh that's good <laughs> Just like the first editions, all the Pokemon have genitals and buttholes and stuff. And it's like, whoa, that's <laughs> Pal- not good. In Pal Worlds. No, they don't. Do they have genitals in Pal World? No. Oh, okay. I didn't think so. We're, I don't know why you keep pushing this slave it's video. Not, you don't have to treat them as slaves. I treat them as, you know, good. They're they're working on my farm, basically. They're right? working on my plantation, see? <laughs> they're bases. I, and I got I them in a nice temperate climate. They can go sleep. I built them a nice little hot spring they can relax in. It's like a, it's like a resort okay. that you just have to work at a little bit and make me guns and you got to think of pokemon as your team or like your your co-host you can't do the podcast without everybody okay but also the pokemon you just you you put a a freaking sex slave in the daycare and just use and abuse 
it for whatever you need to pop I, out eggs. So well, don't act, can, don't act like you bonds all that though. clean. I've already established. I don't know if this made it to the podcast, but I established the fact I felt like there was a connection between the two. Then I would let them go on a vacation and let them do whatever they wanted. They get to pick and choose if they have sex or not. Ditto's just Correct? a little. Because <laughs> if you go in, they get, the guy says, yeah, I don't think these people are. I don't think these Pokemon are feeling each other. Well, that's why you have a Ditto, because right. Ditto can breed with any any Pokemon that isn't they, legendary. They, so that's the joke yeah. is that he's just used and he's abused. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. And I never found a Ditto in any of my, my go through my game throughs. What do you call that? Playthroughs. Playthrough? Playthroughs. Wow, I'm struggling with simple words today, guys. We'll see how this goes. I think I'm going to bust out more accents. Do you guys remember? Are you are you edging movies? us? Oh my god! <laughs> Do you remember in the mo- in like in the movies there would be like a, a separate clip, like a like an episode for uh, so like before they would even get into the movie, like Pikachu would like it would be like a, a little like ten minute thing about Pikachu finding. Ah uh, yes. You guys the remember these? I do the not. Sh- you don't remember? Oh my gosh, those used to be so fun for me as a child. I used to watch. There, them. there were like the little Pixar shorts before Pixar movies. Exactly. Pokemon. Yeah. That's the best word to say it. And that will be the last time I reference Pixar this whole podcast. Oh, it won't be for me. I will be honest with you. Mike, what is your number five? My number five is the 1993 masterpiece Batman Mask of the Phantasm. How many times are we going to let Batman cross the line? He didn't do it. Batman does not kill. Period. You want him, you get him. It's really just a fantastic backstory character piece. It's a little obvious, but basically um, this new new villain shows up on the scene, the Phantasm, and the Phantasm is cutting people down. No restraint. Phantasm's going after these different white-collar types and just taking them out, killing them dead. And at the same time, coincidentally enough, one of Bruce Wayne's old flames, the love of his life comes back into town and spoilers they end up being the same person <gasps> and you you get the ba- but it's so good it's great you get the backstory of these two and their love and you see all these people who are get, gonna get killed off in the in the the main present uh storyline and you you start putting together that these were all people in this girl's i think it's her father's you know kind of criminal empire and she's gone back to to take them all out because her father's criminal empire essentially forced her to leave Gotham and leave behind all this happiness that her and Bruce almost had. And then, you know, instead of them being able to get back together at the end, they have to have this final confrontation. And it was just really solid. I believe it was the only Batman movie ever to get an animated theatrical release. Mm. And I don't think it did all that well commercially, though. So it uh, we didn't get another one. But if if you're into the animated Batman, you could do a lot worse than Phantasm. Who is Phantasm? Like, I, I don't recognize him or her. I guess depending on. Uh, it's it's a speci- it's just for that. To my knowledge, that was a special character made just for the movie. Yeah, I never really saw any of the Batman TV shows or like any of the movies, but before Christopher Nolan, so I was late to the game there. And Jacob, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll I mean, just say that right now. <laughs> yeah, I also haven't really dabbled in Batman outside of the basic three. I tried to watch the cartoon and like the first 10 minutes was just mad corny. And I was like, ah, I want to have to just switch back to anime here. But I'll think I'll give I'll give it another shot. They uh, the, you watched the, the Batman the animated series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It uh, it definitely is a cartoon. I think it's a great cartoon, but you definitely have to remember that what you're watching is uh, is a '90s cartoon, not necessarily a more modern animated show. Uh, no. It's got some episodes that are better than others for sure. Did you guys watch the the new Batman movie? Like just the yeah, Batman. It was fine. Y- yeah, I it guess. Was, I was forgot what's called but. with the Robert Patterson. Is that Peterson Patterson? Twilight Batman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or Cedric Diggory, if you're cultured. Yeah, I didn't mind it. I mean, I like Christopher Nolan's better, but it was better than Ben Affleck does Batman. That's fair. That is fair. Yeah, I definitely I got done and I was like, all right, I'm glad I watched it. But um, I don't think I ever need to watch it again. That makes sense. It's fair enough. I like the actor who was the the Riddler. He does a really good like crazy guy. He's also in Therapy Blood. Mm-hmm. And he's a pretty good actor for acting crazy. Yeah, he was in a movie where he didn't talk the whole movie. I can't remember the name of it. It was like uh, Sunshine. It's a. It was his sister going for a beauty pageant, but they were like, driving like miles away. Somebody's gonna be like mad at me that I can't think of the name of this movie, but that's my a really favorite good movie. movie. <laughs> it's a good one. I'm gonna be honest with you. If somebody can tell you what movie you're talking about based on that description, I'll be impressed. If you know what movie it is in the comments, then we'll give you a plus one to the the top toppers of the of the year. Come the end of the year. There we go. There you go. So so the description that I'm giving is that there this de- guy who doesn't speak has a sister that drives their family across country for a beauty pageant. That's all you get. Easy. That's all you get. Lou, what's your number five? All right. So I've looked at was looking at through my top five and it's a very I feel like a emotional top five. I've noticed that movies that I want to watch over and over again have a, like a really strong meaning. And so uh, my number five is Ratatouille. I I feel like I don't have to explain any of these movies except for maybe my one and two because they're they've been out forever. But if you don't know, it's a rat that cooks and it's a it's a dish. So you could look up both <laughs> ratatouille. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so I love to cook, uh, but I would never set foot in a professional kitchen uh, because oh no, it just is crazy. It's absolute. Uh, it's just a crazy situation in there. But I love it's almost like watching like a football game, watching people cook amazing food. I think is cool. And I think Ratatouille was the first back in like 2007. It was the first experience of what like fine dining restaurants were because there's not a lot of French cooking in Detroit, even though Detroit's is a, a French name. Detroit. Yeah. But yeah, my favorite thing about the movie, it's a very small part of the movie, but I think it's super cool. Like, I guess like a quick thing is that this guy named Alfredo. Laguini, which is like the stupidest name. <laughs> he ends, ends up in the kitchen and he ends up working with this rat to learning how to cook. And so there's a lady that clearly is like the the main attraction. What would you say? Like the she's love the interest girl. That he, the love interest. Yes. The main attraction. <laughs> I, not the I have not. The girl. I know when I'm having a hard time with podcasting, when I haven't said like three words the whole day and then i get on and i have to speak for like an hour it's a, a fine dame see <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i just need to start speaking in accents and then i'll have a shot there you go but yeah so she's walking him through the kitchen and teaching him how to do things and then he she's introducing all the people in the kitchen and they're all like these ragtag crazy different walks of life people like just like the gutter people and there's a one guy who just like keeps lying about what he did in the past first has done time what for no one know for sure. He changes the story every time you ask him. I killed a man with this thumb. Just shows Laguini and the rat Remy that they also belong in the kitchen. Because, like, 
I think there's like a imposter syndrome, like they're not actually real cooks. But none of these people are actual real cooks. They just kind of figure it out. I don't know. It's just like a super beautiful way of like accepting them in and, and teaching Remy that like it's like it's OK that you're a rat. If you know how to cook, you can cook. And then another thing I think they do really well, they they really push the narrative that rats kind of just eat whatever. And they're just like scavengers and they don't create things and that humans just destroy things that they kill and and they don't have any like empathy towards people. And at the end of the movie, like they kind of show that like rats are just not. Now I'm not telling anybody to like go and find a rat on the street, and and think that it can cook. I'm not trying to push that narrative. There's that famous scene that I feel like I've seen analyzed uh, a lot is like when the the guy eats the dish and it like has this flashback and everything. I think it's probably one of yeah. the most famous scenes. When I watched this movie, I was putting like uh, string cheese and gummy worms in my mouth, pretending like I could. <laughs> see the colors as well also there's a movie called everything everything everywhere all at once but has a hilarious parody of this uh if you know you know kind of situation i want to see that movie i've heard uh it ties somewhat reminiscent of my book is what uh someone told me oh yeah Ooh. it's it's crazy that you haven't seen the movie because it is like i'm not that's not same same situation but I think you'll understand immediately. It, yeah. There's there's seriously almost no worse feeling than when you run into something you wrote in media after you wrote it. Because you're like, ah, crap, everyone's going to think I stole the idea. That, that's so. kind of one reason why I've held off so, so long. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a good reason. But I'm like, if I can say truthfully, I've never seen it. Then, you know, maybe people will think it's different. But like, I think I was I, writing. I totally get that. I was writing the book like three or four months before it came out. So it was like right around that time. And I was like, gosh, dang it. When I heard the premise. I mean, Pal World <laughs> is making so much money right now. <laughs> I don't think you have a problem. If I can make a fraction of what Pal World does, I will be happy. Yeah, it, I read that it took them like 10 grand that none of them knew how to actually code. Yeah, there's a lot of AI stuff, which a lot of people are complaining about, but it's a fun game. Hey, why you keep on bringing up Power World? Isn't that about enslaving pals? Yeah, I don't I don't promote the game. I don't think I'll ever play it just because I don't think I could ever uh, I don't think I could uh, have the heart to do. It. I can't even be the bad guy in like regular video games, let alone a slave trader. It's it's not as bad as I think you're putting it up in your mind, but that's OK. I've seen some TikToks, bro. <laughs> They're doing it for the for the vine, basically, you whatever. Think that I'm trying to have is. sex with pals. We don't kink shame here on the top podcast. No, we don't. That's true. You want kink shaming? You should check out Long Distance Situationship. We will tear you to pieces if we disagree with what you're doing in bed. What a plug. <laughs> really, really wait, great way to sell it, too. Yeah. Come check out my podcast. We're not at all accepting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm racist on this podcast. <laughs> so my number four, I don't know why I didn't include it in the years, but it is I believe it's Disney that made it, Disney Animated Studios. And that is The Emperor's New Groove. It is Disney. Ooh, I forgot about that one. Nice call. It's a uh, early 2000s. Did it come out in theaters? I don't remember. Or is it straight to VHS? Yeah, it did. I saw it. It did. Yeah, it is just uh, you saw it when you were like an adult. No, I was a kid. My uh, my aunt took oh, it to, took me to see it. It was a bad joke about you being 50 years old. But yeah, uh, oh, no, uh, it's I mean, a good I got you. I mean, it's just <laughs> uh, it's a hilarious movie about the emperor who's just this total douche canoe getting turned into a llama and learning that, you know, hey, you don't have to be an a-hole to everybody, like be accepting and everything. And it's just hilarious. There's so many good one-liners. Kronk is one of the best side characters. And it's just such a fun movie. Would recommend it. And it doesn't like take itself too seriously, which I like in a movie. I heard that that movie being made was an absolute 
talk show. Yeah, it was like it was going to go a completely different direction. And then like, hey, we can't do this. So they just turn it into what it is now. And it, it's wild. I think there's some YouTube documentaries on it, which I'd recommend. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Maybe we want to try spinach. Is it spinach pus? Is that what they call it? Spinach puffs? Puffs? Is it? Pus. Yeah. I missed pus? It. Ew, dude. What the hell? <laughs> you don't like that? Just zero no, calories. Like, bunch no, of I fiber. Think, I'm assuming pus has calories if I had to make a guess. Ew. But yeah. Okay, cool. Wait, we're, we're spinach pus? Yep, spinach pus. And uh, were those part of Vemper's new groove? How did, I, I missed how this came up. Oh, so yeah, I, I misspoke. Think... It's it's Kronk mates his spinach puffs, and I'd say spinach yeah. puffs. Ah, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. They okay. were inviting, they were inviting him over to like murder him, and they were like having a dinner date. I and know. I I love Kronk's like angel and devil. Don't listen to that guy. He's trying to lead you down the path of righteousness. I'm gonna lead you down the path that rocks. Some of the oh some my of the best in the movie. It's a pretty good cast too, because it's John Goodman and David Spade are two main guys, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then never get his name right, but the guy who plays Kronk is a freaking legend. Patrick, is it Warburton? I don't remember. I know that he's in almost in everything. He's a, he's yeah. in uh, so much. He's he and he's so funny. Yeah. Fun fact: Patrick Warburton and David Spade were on the show Rules of Engagement together which I think is a criminally underrated sitcom that I totally forgot about when we were doing our underrated TV shows. Part of it, that's all I can say. It's the yeah. show that made me not hate David Spade. I didn't hate David Spade when I found out his assistant tried to kill him. That was like, okay, I have a little empathy towards him. What, how, did you like poison him, try to drive him off the road? David Spade was falling, it was like sleeping, and then he thought he saw a figure standing over his bed, and then it was, and then it was his assistant. And then his assistant lied and said that his phone was going off, but it wasn't. And then somehow a shotgun got involved. Oh, my gosh. And he had to, like, wrestle the shotgun out of the guy's hand. Big Um, movie about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike, what's your number four? My number four is an absolute classic as well. It is Shrek. Run, run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. You're a monster. I'm not the monster here. You are. We, uh, I hadn't thought about this movie in forever, but I, I went with my dad and a bunch of the members of his family to Mexico last winter, right around a year ago now. And my uncle and his brother-in-law both got sick. We were all supposed, uh, it was going to be myself, my uncle, my aunt, and her brother. And we were all going to go on this uh, this snorkeling trip. But the the other guys woke up. There were differing opinions on what caused it. But both the other dudes had some very upset stomachs. There were theories about the enchiladas the night before. There were theories about all of the the cervezas and margaritas that were consumed. There, there's, there's no way to know. But tummies were not feeling their best. And so we canceled the scuba trip. And I was just sitting on the couch with my uncle and he wasn't feeling good. And he was just flipping through Netflix. He found Shrek and turned it on. And we watched the first half of Shrek before I was like, dude, I'm in Mexico. I can watch Netflix anytime. I'm going to go. But that first half of Shrek absolutely slapped. I forgot how funny and how creative that movie was. It is just uh, it is a fun one to go back to ever since I remembered how great it was. It's one of those movies I thought I just liked as a kid, but absolutely holds up as an adult. Yeah, it's on my honorable mentions. I just I haven't seen it in a while, but I just remember watching it like in college. Like, man, I don't remember all these like adult jokes that were in it. <laughs> Do a good job. Yeah, I think in, that. The, in the second one, they uh, like pepper spray somebody. But instead of actual pepper spray, it's just like they're just cranking pepper in people's faces. <laughs> yeah, 
It's like one of the – it bothers me that they did so many of them because it kind of just ruined right? – kind of just ruins it. I think, you know, stick with three I think is like the, the key thing But because I think two is better than the first one personally. See, I remember not being crazy about two as a kid, and so I've just gone forward holding that opinion. But everybody says two is even better than the first one. So I think I might have to go back and check it out. Yeah, because they bring the cat in. I think I can't remember the guy's mm-hmm. name. Um, um, oh, is it Montalban? No, I don't think so. Oh, what's his name? We can we can figure he this was, out. He was Zorro. I know for sure. It's a uh, Gregor from last week. Since we're talking about it. Have you seen the new Puss in Boots? I've heard that it's like. Critical. I've heard it's. A, yeah, it's supposed to be amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The commercials, like the animation style, just looked weird to me. So I never saw it, but I've heard good things about it. Interesting. I thought the animation was sweet. Okay, so it's in Antonio Banderas in The Last Wish, and that there's multiple guys who voiced him. Oh, there has been? My guess is it. My guess is it was Antonio Banderas in two and maybe three. And then as it kind of just like lumped off yeah yeah they just got some some other person to do a similar voice and then when they did the the last uh, what is it uh yeah the last wish they were like hold on this is actually a good movie let's get banderas to come back it's sad because it's like most disney movies like if you think of a disney movie as back in the day they made a second one mm-hmm. and it's usually garbage mm-hmm. they know they're gonna make their money though well it's, sure. it's crazy too because shrek really like blew up 3d animation like pixar was was starting to get there mm-hmm. but with shrek like that it just turned on a whole new wave of 3d animation i love um lord farquad <laughs> is really just lord quad <laughs> right. and he's based <laughs> off of a, a one of the big top guys in disney oh like, is he there's beef between that yeah <laughs> yeah it's so good yeah i love how shrek is just like he's a complete I, I don't know if anti-hero is the right word, but he he has no interest in helping any of those fairy tale creatures. Mm, mm-hmm. And he's just like, I'm just trying to get you to go away so I can be alone again. I love movies that do it. Even the reason you're going on the adventure is, is like contrary to what you're going to become as a character later down the line. Like all he wants to do is be alone. And because of that, he ends up finding love. Like I thought that was it was it was just so well done. Like there was as a story, it was brilliantly put together. Also, great cast. Yeah, Who doesn't love um, Eddie Murphy? Right? Eddie Murphy's hilarious. I looked up the cast just out of curiosity because I figured there were a lot of big names. Cameron Diaz is like the 25th person on the list under a whole bunch of people I've never heard of before. I don't know how that happened. Interesting. Lou, what's your number four? My number four. So spoiler alert, I have three Pixar movies and then two <laughs> anime. So you lied to uh, us. Uh, yeah, it was a complete lie. I straight up. I just want to start my three point apology with. <laughs> <laughs> so up is my number four. Absolute heartbreaking beginning. I really can't think of a lot of movies, especially kid related, that absolutely just like rips your heart out in the first like 30 minutes of the show. So it's about. I like you guys know what up is. I feel like I don't need to explain it. It's about a and it like the way I explain it would not make any sense. It's about an old man who takes a trip with a young kid and he in the and he did not ask the young kid's parents on the trip. There's my really bad I was gonna say, can we just make the entire episode just Lucian having to explain movies? <laughs> just I'm done. Like, Cause that'd be good too. Just look it up. Look it up. So it starts off with the main character, which is I forgot his old Carl. And so Carl is an absolute nerd who has zero rids and but he loves adventuring. And then and then he finds out that he falls in. He finds a woman, a girl who is 
who loves exactly the same thing that he does that makes him do a bunch of crazy things and ends up breaking his arm to to get some riz and they fall in love and then like right as they you see their family growing and they 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 can't have a kid and that's kind of sad and then they go up to this hill and they like have their dates and as they get older it gets harder to walk up the hill and then just one time they're walking up a hill going on a date and the wife couldn't make it. And then she freaking dies. And at, at 2009, as a freshman in high school, I did not know how to handle that. I was like, yo, this is supposed to be a Pixar movie. What's going on here? I don't want to have these feelings. And I feel like in the movie, it does a really good job. And I think I don't know if people are how going to how people are going to feel about this, but they do a really good job apologizing throughout the whole rest of the film. And so after the things go on, they bring out this the cutest little fat Asian kid who also wants to be an explorer. It's just like he's trying his best just to get his last badge. And by this time, Carl is just an old man who just wants to die. And and Russell's like, no, dude, you need to walk across this freaking road with me. Get off your lazy <laughs> ass. And that's super funny. And then things happen and then they run into a freaking talking dog. Squirrel. I don't know if it was a talking dog first. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. They run into the talking dog named Doug, and Doug's just this Labrador energy retriever, funny thing. And then they run into this thing called a, they, they name him Kevin. And then they found out. My friend hated that because <laughs> been by chance. My, yeah, my friend Kevin. Whenever you see Damp, he's just like, wait, Kevin's a girl, and he, he's just like, oh my effing goodness, like. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I remember hearing Dan Pratt saying that and being like, huh. Yeah. And just moving on. because <laughs> Kevin was there. That's hilarious. So yeah, um, just the absolute. Just it's just a good time, man. It just shows that like no matter how old you are, follow your dreams, all that jazz. Find a cute little Asian kid, kidnap him, and your all your problems will disappear. We do not support kidnapping here on the Top Podcast. So my number three, I don't know if Lucian's seen this, is Dragon Ball Super Broly. That must be the guy. I don't know who he is, but his energy is absurd. Do it, Broly! Yeah, I've seen it. How would you describe this show, this movie? I remember, I don't know if I was, I remember watching a Dragon Ball Z movie with you, and I remember falling asleep to it. It's probably, it I think, nothing. Battle of the Gods, was that it? The was cat? it? Yeah, straight up passed out. And I remember Kevin making fun of me for sleeping. <laughs> so shout out to Kevin. It's about a, oh gosh, I don't even, yeah, I don't even know. It's about like this big buff dude who just beats the crap out of other big buff dudes. So if you guys have seen Dragon Ball, well, probably more Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball Super, it's just that cranked up to 11. It, you know, makes you want to go out and start doing push-ups and just getting super jacked and scream until you pass out. That's what the voice actors had to do. They put chairs behind them. At least in, in Dragon Ball Z, they did. Like Lucia said, this guy is like, him and his dad are banished from the planet and he like harbors his hate for people. And his dad is just kind of is a jerk to his son. And it just like makes him this this war machine almost. And Goku and Vegeta have to go and take him down uh, and everything. And it's 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 they do a really good job of 2D animation, then transition transitioning it into 3D. And it's cool. The The music's really cool. Like each person has their theme song and like they incorporate the fighting moves into it. And just a little fun factoid. One of my favorite artists, John Bellion, has a has a line in the movie. He's like grunt number two or something. He oh, was, wow. I guess he was going to be in um, have a bigger part, but he was making an album at the time and he couldn't get that. But he's a big DBZ fan. If you like ripped men screaming at each other, <laughs> this is a movie for you. Probably my favorite yeah. DBZ movie. 
Dragon Ball. I also don't recommend Googling Rip Man screaming at each other. You might get some. No, no, you want to. <laughs> you want that. Yeah, I I hate Dragon Ball Z. I can't stand it. What? In the you realm, should have told me that then. I would have made you watch a movie. I mean, honestly, Robert, I just wanted to be your friend so bad. I think in the world of anime, I think it's it's I think it's did it did its part. But I don't know. It's just anime is just so much more thoughtful now than it was back in the day. But if, yeah, if you like grown men beating up each other, it's, it's nothing wrong with it. I loved it as a child. If you like Dragon Ball Z, I think you would like this. And Lucian, we were already friends then, so you could have told me. But that's OK. We'll, we'll move. Past that's OK. It. I appreciate it. Also, like if you haven't watched this movie and you like Dragon Ball Z, what are you doing? <laughs> like, get on it. Mike, what's your number three? My number three is the 2010 direct-to-DVD meh of a movie, Scooby-Doo Camp Scare. This is what I call camping. Scooby-Doo and Shaggy test their outdoor skills. I love Scooby-Doo, and I have almost every single Scooby-Doo movie ever made on my bookshelf in my living room. I'm obsessed. I watched it a lot. With my grandma, who is no longer with us. When I was a kid, she introduced it to me, and so it's just got a special place in my heart. Also, now Joe loves it, so I get to watch it with her, and that's a blast. But Camp Scare has that kind of 80s summer camp horror vibe to it, but it's Scooby-Doo, so it's all really laid back. And it's like, it's all the different camp horror stories all coming to life at the same time. And so it's not just the creepy woodsman. It's also the creepy lake monster and the thing in the. Yeah, like it's great. It like it's the it really feels reminiscent of the Bear Lake horror stories that we tell as kids. Oh, man, that should have been my conspiracy theory. Scuba Man is real. That would have been great. That would have been good. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, it's just it's a super fun Scooby-Doo movie. And they are definitely hit or miss as far as movies go. This is what I thought was a hit. And it was one that I watched and went, whoa, that was legitimately better than a seven, which even at their best is about all you can say about a Scooby-Doo movie, if you're being honest. But I love them. I'm always down to bro out and watch Scooby-Doo, no matter who you are. Just come over. We'll watch Scooby-Doo. Open invitation. People pounding on your door. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm looking it up and there is a lot of pictures of Daphne in a bikini. I'll tell you Whoa, why. Yeah, now man, we know why. Like, there yeah, we go. We yeah. got to the heart of it. Yeah. First like, of all, first of all, I'm a Velma stan. Second of all, I like my dames with some class. See, second of all, <laughs> so it's literally like a half a second scene in the movie, but it made the Internet go freaking wild. Yeah, I see that, uh, which is unfortunate. Yeah, no, it's a great movie. And also. It's got some great, uh, some, you know, all the kids that come to summer camp, all the ones that are there that didn't run away because summer camp was haunted. They're all just your classic like camp misfits. And it's really fun, except one. One is just like a relatively in shape kid who's really excited to be there. It's your your iconic little camper kids, which is kind of a blast as well. Yeah, those animators knew what they were doing. Oh, 100 percent. So why Velma? Just out of curiosity. That's that's definitely a hot take. Just, you know, you like mm. just some actual thought. Are you, you I mean, glasses? body wants, right? You know, I, like, <laughs> right. I, I like glasses. I, she's an actual intelligent human being um, it, as opposed it, to you know. Velma. I mean, I disagree with some of her opinions, but like she's informed. It's just like somebody who's that smart. What are you doing in a just a regular van with a. <laughs> but it's I mean, the, she, she's drugging the rest of them. She, she's drugging the rest of them so she can seem uh, smart. It's the reefer, see? It's holding her back. (laughs) (laughs) 
all that contact high. You you can't be that smart for long. And then you know she's just got bigger. It's like it's not it's it's really what it boils down to. Mm. And you know on her hands and knees more. It's just like it's 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 a biological Pause. thing. You can't Pause. help it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have no comment on that. I respect all women. Whatever stance they're in. You can respect women and enjoy doggy style. They're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, come on over and let's watch Scooby-Doo sometime. <laughs> it's kind of hard to come from back from that one, huh? Yeah, now we wonder are we actually watching Scooby-Doo, man. Are you just... <laughs> I'm actually watching Scooby-Doo. I Mike's love like, Scooby-Doo. It reminds me of my dead grandma. Get your head out of the gutter. What's your number three, Lou? Oh, man. So good. All right. My number three is a classic, another Pixar movie, Inside and Out. With a nice pass over Reed, comes across center ice. <coughs> Uh-oh. She's looking at us. What did she say? What? Oh, oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. I hated this movie the first time I watched it. Could not stand it. I hated sadness. I think I was like, I think I was in college when this movie came out. And I just did not get the purpose of the movie at all. It went right over my head. I thought it was just like a basic, like I get the idea that there are emotions, but I didn't understand what they were actually trying to show. So the idea of the movie, I'm going to tell it all terrible, but there's emotions and they control you. And this girl, sadness runs away. And happiness needs to go and find her. And the whole time, I am just like absolutely just hating sadness. I'm just like, sadness, you stupid girl. You need to just get your stuff together and get back into the brain so that we can just get this over with. But the whole idea is that like it shows that you need to embrace all emotions. So this thing is called core memories. And my whole plan as a person that works with kids is not to create any core memories with kids. Just because like core memories can be negative. And I remember I have some core memories as a kid that are negative that were made by adults. But after watching this the second time with my wife, I like I, I looked at her and she's like, do you get the movie? And I was like, yes, yeah, sadness is just an asshole <laughs> who needs to get their stuff together. She's like, no. Like, and then she explained it. And I was like, oh, no. So core memories like they can be happy memories or like they can be sad memories. But in the end of the movie, memories can be happy and sad. Like it can be a balance of things like just because um, something is sad can also you could also be angry or disgusted or you could be happy. And so the idea is to embrace all your emotions. And I know like I shared this one because I know that a lot of our fan base is a, around our age and they're men and men are historically known for not accepting sadness and just kind of like shrugging it off. Just start yelling and, at another guy, take your shirt off and go beat him up. That's what you do, right? Basically, yeah. And so Dragon Ball talk. Uh, anger is a secondary emotion and so when you're angry most likely you're feeling something else and that makes you angry you know i'm not a therapist what's what's the study on the second emotion just out of curiosity i I just learned this recently when when god's angry he's having a secondary emotion dude i bro i can barely speak and so (laughs) i'm just trying i have no i i haven't seen this movie what's your thoughts on the second one i've heard some people are skeptical because they bring in an anxiety and a lot of people like it's very close to sadness, but the movie hasn't come out yet. Are you going to see the second one, though? Yeah, probably. I mean, maybe not in theaters, but once it gets on Disney Plus, I'll probably watch it. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard picking five of these movies because most of my favorite movies are animated movies. At least a lot of them are. Just recently, I had like this like epiphany with Inside and Out. So that's why I shared it. Mike, have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it. I enjoyed it. I wasn't blown away by it, but it was good. Joe likes it. Shout out to Joe. So my number two, I think there's a good chance it is on Lucian's list. So we'll find out. That is the the Studio Ghibli 
movie, Spirited Away. Objection! That's my number one. So, Lou, why don't you tell the, the people what Spirited Away is all about? Uh, so Spirited Away is, is a very simple – it's it's such a deep movie, and I was going to go on a like, super wrong tangent on it. But, yeah, so it's about a girl who has is with her family, and they end up going into the spirit world without noticing. And their parents, her parents, end up gorging on this, like, delicious food. And because they're in the spirit realm, they turn into pigs because they were acting like pigs. The whole idea is that the girl is working to figure out how to turn their parents back into human beings and get out of the spirit world. That is the the basic of the movie, the premise. And it, it's Studio Ghibli, so there's some really weird visuals, but it, it's just beautifully written, beautifully animated, and it's it's like a masterpiece of animation. I think for all the, the movies on my list, it's the, the best-looking animated film for sure yeah she goes on this whole adventure there's witches monsters there's the 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 iconic is it no face is that what the ghost is called yeah it's no face it's something else japanese but no face Mm -hmm. is kind of the yeah no face which like star wars kotor 2 based darth nihilus mask off it and it's just iconic it's probably i wouldn't i don't know if totoro or this or No Face is more iconic, but they're definitely those two are up there for the most iconic Studio Ghibli movies. Yeah, different vibes for sure. Uh, I think I think Spirit Away is more iconic than than Totoro, but I, because Totoro is for like five to seven year olds, uh, Spirit Away is for like ten to twelve year olds. So I think it's just a different theme. Yeah, but I meant like just um, the how Tot- the design of Totoro is is kind of huge in pop culture. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I've I've milled over the idea of getting him tattooed on me for sure. Nice. But so yeah, so the only thing else for Spirit Away, since we're both talking about it, is uh, so No Face is a huge character in the movie, and it's one that I never really understood. And so with like the I'm not gonna say the director's name because I have not been I've been zero for one for pronouncing anything Japanese, but No Face is a representation of loneliness and abandonment, and and I want you guys to experience it yourself so you can understand the whole idea of no face because he has such a big role in the movie that you kind of just don't like, don't understand what his purpose is. And it's, it's hard to understand their first time watching it, but treat no face like a child who wasn't raised. Right. And the whole idea is that a child is a product of their environment and in the environment that they were in, it was all about selfishness and no face wanted to be represent. He wanted to be, he wanted to be loved. And so that's why he acted the way that he did. But as soon as he got out of his environment, he started acting normal. And it's because, like, he's pretending like he's a child. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful movie. Probably one of my favorite shots is just that train that, like, runs through the water. It's absolutely beautiful. Just it's, yeah, it's insane. Cinematography of it. Did you see the newest Studio Ghibli? I have not. I've been wanting to. It was it's, between. It's weird. Is it weird? Yeah, we were sweating I mean, in theaters. I mean, it's Studio Ghibli, so I guess that's kind of par for the course. But yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, it was between that or the Hunger Games. And uh, me and my wife just finished the book together. So we watched the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. It seemed like almost like a Christopher Nolan-esque film where I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it. Because I, I still don't quite know what was going on. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, and I was going to say this in the pod, but I think a really good movie, like a. A really thoughtful movie. You want to like research it after you get done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, there's, there's like a handful of movies that I like. I was like, I don't understand why this is, but this is awesome. And I, I believe every studio Ghibli has made me want to whip out my phone and go through like Reddit pages to figure out like everybody's opinion on it. 
I think, yeah, a lot of my favorite movies are the one where it's like I try to go to bed, but I'm just on YouTube watching other people talk about it for, you know, two hours. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, for sure. Hereditary is one of them, but I don't recommend recommend watching Hereditary. Isn't that a horror movie? It is a horror movie, yeah. I don't think you could watch it, Robert. Probably not. I'm a pansy when it comes to that. Mike, what's your number two? Oh, man, it is so hard to pick, um, but... It, eh, no, it's it's close, but it's it's not that close. It was it was harder to pick for two and three. My number two is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Stop Spider-Man! You? No, wait, you? I, I'm pretty sure we've talked about it before. I prefer the second one. Rob prefers the first one. Well, I've um, only seen the the second one one time. I will say that. So. That's fair. And like, if you prefer the first one, I ain't mad at you. They're both absolutely fantastic movies, and I think it's. The animation is like nothing I'd ever seen before, and it's just absolutely gorgeous. And two, two just took everything that the first one did and made it bigger and made it more wild and extreme. You had more different art styles based on what, you know, what part of the dimension you were in. The the art style was completely different. Spider-Gwen's theme song, I've watched long, extensive videos just on her theme song. She's got the like... And that little like whoosh up and down of notes is actually the original do 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 do. They just rearranged the notes and came up with this new. Oh, wow. Uh, like there's so many li- like the minutia of these movies is such that you can just go deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's like you never stop finding more things uh, to learn about. Just Absolutely fantastic. The cliffhanger. I totally get why people didn't like that. As someone who's extensively studied story and story beats, I was kind of able to tell about 60 percent of the movie through. I was like, hey, we only got so much movie left and we are not halfway done with the story. So I could tell it wasn't going to end traditionally. And so I was able to kind of prepare myself for it. The animation is beautiful. The music is intriguing. The art styles make it just constantly interesting to watch. The story I thought was incredible, even if it was a cliffhanger hanger. The action was just heart pounding and it was it was awesome. I cannot wait for the the conclusion. I think it's going to be without question my favorite trilogy of all time when it's done. If you haven't seen Spider-Man, get out from under your rock and go check it out. I will say I think two is a better animated movie like just spite. There's this point where Spider-Gwen has like this emotional conflict and like her her world is like watercolored. And all that and like the world behind her is just melting and it, it is just a, a beautiful like visual representation of what she's feeling. And yeah, the mm-hmm. animation, too, is just fantastic. Yeah, yeah so there was nothing I've ever seen. There was a, a moment in two where Spider-Gwen. Sorry, Spider-Gwen's my turtle's name. So I think of like my turtle first when I say Spider-Gwen. before <laughs> the Inter Spider-Verse came, movies came out. That's true. They yeah, copied that's a good point. Lucian. They did. They copied me. OK, yeah. So in, in Spider-Gwen, she. Is hanging out with Miles, and then she she walks under one of the statues. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? When they're in upside the down, where she, she, when there's upside down, mm-hmm. and so I always wondered, like, how does Spider Man stick to things if, like, she was in like she was in like Chucks or something like that? Great um, question. And so I looked it up, and apparently, like, Spider Man has it isn't like in the movies where when when uh toby Maguire was turning a spider-man and he had like barbs on his fingers yeah he was like the only naturally producing like the webs and the stickiness i think right so apparently spider-man has like this ability to like subtonically 
be connected to something. I expected to me throw this out there and you guys knew exactly what I was talking about and take it from there. But so it's a mic thing. Uh, I, I'm not the. I don't know much into the Spider-Man lore. That's fair. And then the second thing is that I was looking up just like random things and the framing, like being on frame was two different things, like frames per second. Mm-hmm. And so when Spider-Man was swinging around for the first time, he was on a different frame per second versus when he was learning how to when he like learned how to be spider-man the framing was better so it was from 12 frames per second when he started and it was 24 frames per second at the end of the movie and Mm -hmm. i think that's just like a really cool way to show his growth as a character yeah he actually he was at a different frame rate i believe than all the other spider people i think so and so and so by the end, he caught up to their frame rate. The way they take, because I love doing that with, with my writing. Like, I love hiding clues and little Easter eggs in the actual minutia of how the writing works. And they basically did the same thing. Like, they were putting character growth into something as nuts and bolty as the the speed of animation. Like, I just, I love that everything down to logistical choices about frame rate they were making creative decisions with it i guess uh lou what's your number two so my number two is sorry mike that was just like such a thoughtful thing to say that i had no idea what mm-hmm. to you're we'll, give, we'll give you an applause in the edit <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh anything i say is gonna just make it sound dumb yeah so uh my number two is another studio ghibli film it's uh howland's moving castle It was a movie that I hated again. I I think I'm it's like so I didn't like Studio Ghibli films at first. And my first like anime experience was uh, Kiki's Delivery Adventure. That was the absolutely first thing that I watched. Yeah, that was from from Japan. And I think I just never I just didn't understand it. And so uh, and the same thing for Hollywood's movie Castle. I just really just didn't understand it. So, yeah, it's another Studio Ghibli film. It's about a woman who is a she makes hats for a living and she's living a very boring life. And then she runs into a witch that turns into a 90 year old woman. And it's her job to find a, a, another person that knows magic to get her off this curse, to, to take this curse away from her. So she finds a guy called I'm pretty sure his name's Howell. Yeah. Howell. Yeah. Finds a guy Howell. And uh, and it's just an absolute just crazy show. The reason why I love this is that curses in this movie show who you are as a person. And so the reason why the main character, which I forgot her name, but that's OK, turned into a 90 year old woman is because she was acting like a 90 year old woman. She had no joy in her life. She was pretending like she was just old. And it's the same thing with the main character with Howell, but I'm not going to spoil it for you guys. But yeah, animation, top notch, has like hints of war. And how um, the the director feels about war, which I think is pretty awesome. The his little apprentice, I think, is super cute. There's a part where so he can switch. So there's there's two countries at war, and Howell has his foot in both countries because I think that's just how he makes his money. And he makes his apprentice dress up like an old man, and this kid's like eight years old, dress up like an old man and pretend to be like the leader or the the, the top guy in that country. And I don't know, it's just super cute. It's super awesome. Uh, I recommend if you ever never watched anime, I recommend that Studio Ghibli Films is the first way to do it. I think pacing can be a little off in some parts, but if you like a movie where you have to look stuff up 
to really truly understand it. Studio Ghibli is where it's at. And with that, my wife actually just finished the book. So it was a, it was a book first. And Lou, you were right. It was written as like a commentary on the American-Iraqi war that was going on. And she said it was actually a very good, like, um, not apples to apples, because there are some liberties they take for an animated thing. And she's like, no, I can see how they got that. So it was a really well done adaptation. Going to bring it on home here. Uh, we got number one. Yep. Have you seen a Studio Ghibli movie, Mike? I have not. I think you would like at least like the more thoughtful ones. I don't know if you'd like Kiki's or Totoro, but definitely like the the more thought provoking ones. I think you would get it. You would really enjoy. If you like yeah, cat balls, cat studio. balls. Yeah, yeah. There's a in, in Totoro. There's a bus. There's a cat that is a bus. Oh, oh yeah, that has and his and his nutsack is way up there, and it's like. There's a frame where it's purposely like that. Too. Why are you looking at it? I am, like, I'm all set on that, but <laughs> my number one animated movie to anyone who's been paying super close attention will not be a surprise. It is the Iron Giant. The Iron Giant is just without a doubt been my it's been one of my all time favorite movies animated or otherwise since I was in high school. In high school, I rediscovered it. I, don't, I think it was on Netflix. And I was like, oh, I remember this when I was a kid. And I turned it on and I was just blown away. I laughed. I cried. It was so emotional. I, I didn't understand what was going on. It was the only movie that made me emotional for the longest time. I think having a kid kind of shook something loose and now other movies could do it too. But that was just the one movie that unlocked everything. Just a super heartwarming story about a kid who, on the surface, it's about a kid who finds... An iron giant who fell out of space and they they become friends. But it's so much more than that. It's about a, a kid who, you know, he doesn't have a dad. And there's that that hole in his life. And through his experience with the giant, his family, he, a new family gets brought together for him. It's a story about understanding what's going on inside of you and controlling how you respond to negative emotions and situations. It's a story about not being controlled by your baser instincts and rising above the the negative parts of you. And I just, I can't get enough. Everything about that movie is fantastic. Apparently it also was a book before it was a movie. Did not know that. And it is a rare instance from what I've heard. I haven't read it, but what I've been told is that one, the similarities stop and end at there is a kid named Hogarth and there is an iron giant and uh two is a rare instance of the movie being way better than the book like don't even waste your time with the book kind of bad but the movie just took the concept and ran with it also harry connick jr jennifer aniston vin diesel john uh mahoney the the dad from frazier just studded cast yeah it's a it's a great movie as a kid I always wanted a sequel because, you know, it kind of ends on like, oh, there's hope. He's, he's right. doing something. But now I'm just like, no, I'm glad they never made a sequel to it. I feel like it wouldn't be as good. Yeah, I agree. One of, one of my favorite lines that I use nowadays is, hi, I'm Rob and I work for the government. <laughs> I love it. Pretend you're a gangster. It just gets the worst. <laughs> Well, no, pretend you're a gangster is an actual line from the movie. He, he like drops his aura oh. on, on the kid's head and he goes, here, pretend you're a gangster. I do remember that. Yeah. It was always so weird to me as a kid. Also, like, why is this guy moving in with his mom? <laughs> right. I didn't catch that. Got a room for it's rent. Like a one, yeah, it's like a one yeah. line in the beginning. Yeah, it's a one line and then the, the sign is in the window. But it's definitely something you have to be looking for. And then the, honestly, that scene where where the hand is in the house 
Mm-hmm. The prayer, like start to start to fit the prayer. The- oh my God, we uh, thank you for the food that Mom has put in front of us. And stop the uh, the devil. I never had the balls to do it, but every time anyone has ever asked me to pray, my ent- like for the food, my entire life, I have considered whipping out that prayer haven't done it but it is it has crossed my mind 100 percent of the time yeah the director of this of iron giant did ratatouille he did incredibles 2 he did a mission mission impossible he's been everywhere well i guess uh, i'll talk about my number one i know mike was very eager go about that oh sorry you said <laughs> bring it home i was like i this feels out of order but okay you're good just giving you a hard time my number one is oh gosh I, the late 90s like i said i didn't write down the years, which is strange for me, but it is The Prince of Egypt. Oh, nice. Lou, have you, have you seen this movie? Uh, No, I was I was in the hood when this movie came out. So. Really? Even from like a non <laughs> a non Christian perspective, I've, I've watched I watched some YouTube videos to kind of prep for this. And there's people like, yeah, I'm not a Christian like this movie slaps. That's also another term that's on the edge of my my vocabulary is, is slaps. It's like a Disney film where it's also a musical and just the cinematography is is fantastic the songs are catchy i think it won some award for one of the songs i know mariah carey and whitney houston sang one of the things for the credits and it's a great like um not i mean it's based on the bible story of moses so obviously if you don't know what that is moses um was a hebrew born in egypt during um when the hebrews were slaves there his mom puts him in a basket and he is raised sent down the river and he is raised by pharaoh and his family and he ends up turning against his family and going and leading his um, his people out of Egypt with uh, God's help and everything. But even just like the non like spirituality of God, like it, it's such a good example of like brother against brother. Once I called you brother. Once I thought the chance to make you laugh was all I ever wanted. And even now, I wish that God had chose another serving as... Because at the one thing this movie does is that Moses doesn't know he's a slave until like later in the film. And one thing you notice, I, I didn't notice this, but as like I said, I watched some YouTube videos. The further Moses gets and like he goes to his Hebrew roots, there'll be like shots of Ramesses, the Pharaoh. And like you see all the, the glory and splendor of Egypt. And then whenever it pans the Moses, you always see the suffering of like his people and all that. And that's like great visual storytelling that way. It's just it's great. There, it's good humor. It is also a very star-studded cast. It has Val Kilmer is Moses, Voldemort, I forget the actor's name, is Ramesses. Jeff Goldblum has um, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and it's like a, a very star-studded cast. And I would highly recommend it, even if you're not into the whole Christianity thing. It's it's a good story by itself, and it's beautifully animated. And it kind of saved DreamWorks, but if it wasn't for the Prince of Egypt working out, the, the studio would have actually closed down, which means it wouldn't have gotten Shrek. So you can, you can thank it for that. And a, a fun little tidbit, I guess. I don't remember it, but my mom says it was the first movie I, she ever took me to see in theaters so there's a fun factoid that's cool mike i'm sure you i'm sure you saw it a lot being a pk i saw it a ton as a kid it was actually i saw it at my grandma's house a lot she had it on vhs my mom's mom and she had that and then what was the other one joseph uh joseph prince of dreams yeah something like that and that one one is as good no i don't think it's straight to vhs which usually tells you how good it is yeah 
but I watched the mess out of both of those, as it were. And it's weird. I know you you grew up a lot with Rebecca. She didn't see that until like two or three years ago, which I thought was crazy. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Huh. Mike, what are we talking about next week? Um, Next week, I was really excited for um, for favorite novels. So we're not going to do favorite singular novels, but but uh, only one per series. And you got to pick. You can't. No, no showing up with the entirety of the Lord of the Rings. That's nothing. Give me a wheel of time. Sure. But you, you, <laughs> nah, I was I was picking an easy one because I figured nobody's picking from the Lord of the Rings. Maybe you, but. Oh, sounds good. You guys are going to know all the five books I've read in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Top Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to leave us a like and comment and subscribe if you're on YouTube. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please give us a review and leave a comment. We'll read it off on the podcast. If you guys have any ideas for icebreaker questions or topic ideas, go ahead and leave it on our socials or on the YouTube comment. Other than that, we hope you have a great week and we'll edge you later. Peace out, Good. Toppers. Like See you next week, sweetheart. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs>